There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Hey there, friends. Oh, are you going to sing the song? It sounded like you were going to sing the song. Come listen. Well, no, I, I won't. <laughs> I know. Do you we even have. remember the song? I don't think you've heard it since we since we did it. Yeah, no, I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> not not often, yeah. but I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could if we were like doing a live show, which I hope we do. I know. Uh, so and it, it, like tomorrow, and they were like, "Get up and sing the theme song." I'd be like, "I." I think I'd probably get the harmony really wrong. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, we would definitely not remember the parts. We would parts. both sing the harmony is right. what would happen. We'd totally yes, lose the melody. definitely. We'd probably lose the melody. Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll have to practice for the live show. Hey, I want a live show, right? Happens. You better write to iHeartRadio and demand <laughs> a live show in your city, and we yes, will do a tour. a letter campaign. That's yes. what works in 2022. <laughs> Get yourself a self-addressed, <laughs> pre-stamped envelope. <laughs> <laughs> and send it to P.O. Box. Uh, look, I don't know how the kids are doing it these days. Hashtags, get a hashtag going. Live show, ridiculous romance. Hashtag, yeah, in that order. 
something. <laughs> a TikTok campaign or something. We need to get some Gen Zers in here to help us out. <laughs> well, welcome back to the show. I'm Eli. I'm Diana. Did we say that already? Mm. Who knows? We've Now we've said it. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how we meet people, too. Right. Yeah. No, I do introduce <laughs> myself five or six times. Well, because I, I, I don't know about you, but I'll end up talking to someone for a while before sometimes like a stranger. Yes. Like you'll just talk for like 20 minutes and you're like, I guess I should. There's, I got, I, at some point I have to tell you my yes, name. Right, right. <laughs> and now it's weird. <laughs> by the way, my name is I'm, Eli. I'm Diana, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. So nice to meet you. Of course, of course. And then you're like, fuck, they didn't say their name. Damn it. Damn it. If I'm ever, you know this, if I'm with you and anyone walks up and starts talking to us, the first thing you do is say, this is my husband, Eli. And they're going to uh-huh. say, yeah, I know. I'm Chad. Right, Chad. You know, and I would be like, yeah, Chad and I go way back. Mm-hmm. But if you don't do that, I will have no clue who Chad is. <laughs> <laughs> it's minefield out there. Yeah. Meeting people. Faces. Learning names. names. <laughs> Speaking of names. Oh, my God. Oh, this Speaking episode. Of names. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a great transition to this one. <laughs> Unplanned. Yeah, uh, this is a Diana episode, and if, if <laughs> no, I'm not, that's not a that's not a put down. That's actually very exciting. <laughs> um, but if you're like me, th- this is how it's going to go. You're you're either like Diana or you're like me. If you're like Diana, you're going to coast. You're going to be like, I totally know what everyone's talking about here. <laughs> this person, that person, I know. I can keep the family tree in order. But I'm here for the rest of us, and I'm going to constantly be saying, Wait a minute. <laughs> Whose stepdaughter was this? <laughs> the third cousin of the second king? I mean, the they are the all related, you yeah. know, of course, because that's how royals do <laughs> in medieval times. Yeah, it's chaotic, and I love that. Oh, my God, it's so much going on. <laughs> that's why I was like, so every time I was looking at one piece, it was like, no, but I have to tell this other crazy piece. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're teasing them out too much. I know, you're Let's right. Let's give it to them. So Eli's dear mother... Barbara Banks. Hey, Mom. Love her. Yeah. Big fan of the show. Extra big fan of the host, Eli, (laughs) (laughs) particularly. Yeah, yeah. But I think I'm a big hit around the house. You could say that uh, (laughs) she had a hand in creating the show. She could. You you could say that. Yeah, in the long term. In a very real way. In a very real way. Yeah. Well, she suggested that we dive into the famous love story of Peter I of Portugal and Inés de Castro because their doomed romance has been the basis of like countless operas and plays and films and so on, etc. But as usual, you know, we started researching and there are quite a few ridiculous romances that kind of led to Peter's. So it's kind of hard to tell his story without also telling the story about the King of Castile and his favorite mistress and why Peter's dad was so pissed when Peter the first fell in love with Inez. So we're doing it all. (laughs) (laughs) As usual, we're overdoing it. So medieval Spain and Portugal, not so sexy shenanigans, way too many names that sound alike or are exactly the same. (laughs) Welcome to another Royals edition of Ridiculous Romance. (laughs) That's how they go. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> are you uh, yeah, ready for the name? Ready as I'll ever be. So 
1325, Alfonso the Eleventh uh-huh. had been king of Castile for about three years. Mm-hmm. He's only 17 years old. Oh, okay. And when his father had died, he had been too young to rule, so he had basically had to sit by and watch these noblemen kind of take advantage of his youth okay. by sort of splitting up the kingdom amongst themselves. Right, like you do when there's a child ruler. Right. There's really some adults like pulling all the strings. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So these guys were definitely like, I'll take this part, you take that part. Uh-huh. Oh, are the Moors coming? Uh We'll get there someday. You know, they were kind of weakening and impoverishing the crown of Castile. Uh Uh-huh. They're all sitting around. Oh, you sure we can do that? Did you ask the king? (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Good one. So anyway, Alfonso is watching this and is like, getting real pissed. So when he turns 14, he's like, guess what, guys? I'm old enough to rule. Oh, sure. 14-year-olds all think they're in charge of everything (laughs) anyway. Oh, my goodness. I was like, totally on brand for a 14-year-old boy. Uh Uh-huh. And he basically, like, he took himself to Santiago de Compostela and had, like, a self-crowning ceremony and did a whole thing. And then he was like, my first project is to divide my enemies, try to consolidate some power to the crown. Okay. Get shit back in order here. Sure. And, of course, his enemies were family members. Right. It was his cousin and tutor, Don Juan Manuel, who was like a highly connected, wealthy aristocrat and author. Sure. And also Alfonso's uncle, the Lord of Biscay, Juan de Castilla y Aro, who was nicknamed Juan el Tuerto, or Juan the One-Eyed. Okay. So his cousin and tutor is Don Juan Manuel, Mm -hmm. and his uncle is Juan el Tuerto. Yes, so and everyone just calls one. him El Tuerto. Okay. You know, like El Muerto or something. It's like a cool right. title. El so he's Tuerto. like El Tuerto. Okay, mm-hmm. so Juan and Juan. What are the chances? <laughs> a million to Juan? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're just getting started. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Neither of these guys, El Tuerto or Don Juan, wanted to give up their power and all their influence that they had been Mm -hmm. cultivating over this child king all these years. They didn't want to give it up to him. Mm -hmm. So between them, they hatched a scheme. They were going to marry Don Juan's daughter, Constanza, who was only nine years old, by the way, (gasps) side note, um, to the newly widowed El Tuerto, the uncle. Yeah. The uncle of the king. Who, his birth date is not known, but I mean, he was newly widowed he, he was not he nine was years old. He was not nine years old. Yes. He was an age that was Much definitely old. inappropriate to marry a nine-year-old. Whatever it was. I'll tell you what. There's not an age that isn't inappropriate to marry a nine-year-old. Because <laughs> nine what. is I'll... also an inappropriate age to marry a nine-year-old. I'll say this. <laughs> well, I think there was a tradition at this point to... You didn't, like, have sex with your child bride. Right. It was, like, a way to secure it all for a while. And then they grew up, and then Uh they started doing the baby stuff. And then when you're 18 and I'm 54, then it's okay. Now it's on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Gross. Still gross. (laughs) Still gross. uh, Just throwing that out there. I don't think it was meant to be anything. Softens the blow? I don't know. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they're they're saying Don Juan is, like... uh, El Tuerto, you're going to marry my daughter. That Mm -hmm. sort of helps us form an alliance. You know, people love marriages back in these royal days. Mm -hmm. Now, Alfonso, the king, the 17-year-old king, did not like this idea because those marriages meant alliances. And an alliance between these two scheming-ass nobles was going to be bad news for him. Right. They could totally, like, overrun him, overthrow him, you know. Yeah. 
just totally make life hell. So Alfonso, the king, is like, no way, Jose. I'm going to marry Constanza myself. To which Don Juan was like, first of all, my name's Juan, not Jose. Thank you. (laughs) And secondly, that sounds great to me. My daughter marrying the king and becoming the queen. uh, Not a problem on my end. Make my day, Jose. And Alfonso (laughs) married Don Juan's daughter, Constanza, instead of El Tuerto marrying her. Right. And that totally neutralized Don Juan. Right. He's not an enemy anymore. I'm not an enemy of the king. My daughter is married to the king. We're set here. Mm -hmm. All good. Well, as for El Tuerto, Alfonso promised him a pardon and reconciliation. He's like, you can come be in Castile, hang out. It's no problem. Mm -hmm. So El Tuerto's like, great. Family reunion. And he goes to Alfonso's house, like, talk it out. They're going to negotiate terms, whatever. But at the Feast of All Saints, Alfonso was like, so how is everything? Are you having fun? Enjoying the meal? Delicious, yeah, very good. Love this food. No, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm glad we could put all this under the bridge. Uh, we're we're buddies now. This is delicious, by the way. Oh, great! I'm so glad you're enjoying this meal because it's gonna be the last thing you ever eat. What? And he ordered El Tuerto and two of his knights to be executed. Oh, the like, Lannisters send their regards. Exactly what I was thinking. Oh, it's like this is the worst dinner party I've ever been to. <laughs> Then he summoned all the nobles to the town square to hear about El Tuerto's treason Mm. and, of course, subsequent punishment. Right. Probably as kind of a, and let that be a lesson to you all, kind of like (laughs) cautionary tale. Let that be a lesson to the rest of you Juans. Yeah, (laughs) all you Juans out there, one-eyed or otherwise. Everyone listen to me. (laughs) Shut up. Do not dare challenge the king. <laughs> and like 80% of them are like, okay, well, he's right. talking to me. <laughs> All right, so great. Crisis averted, right? Yeah. Don Juan's neutralized, El Tuerto's dead, sure. enemies vanquished, nobles nervous, subjects subjugated. <laughs> Everything is working out for Alfonso. <laughs> Just like a king wants it. Just all set, working out great in Castile. But only two years later, Alfonso decided to have his marriage with Constanza annulled. And since she was a minor, again, thankfully, this marriage had never been consummated. It's not even super clear if they actually married or if they were just like super officially engaged. Yeah, extremely contractually engaged. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But Constanza did use the title queen consort in her letters, which is adorable for a little nine-year-old girl to be writing. And the queen consort consort. says... (laughs) I love it. I love it. In crayon, like. (laughs) (laughs) She's definitely giving me like Princess Leia and Obi-Wan vibes. Are y'all watching Obi-Wan? Oh, my goodness. It's very good. I'm liking it so far. I mean, Ewan elevates everything. He he really does. So it really does does help. All right. So Alfonso decides he's going to annul this marriage to Constanza if there ever ever really even was one. Mm -hmm. Because by 1327, Alfonso had decided that it was more in his interest to marry his double first cousin, uh, as in his cousin who was his cousin on both sides of his family, (laughs) like his paternal and maternal first cousin. That's that's how these royal families were working. Back then. The gene pool is so congealed. <laughs> like, you're basically... She's my father's brother's daughter, and she's my mother's brother's daughter. Oh, my goodness gracious. 
Maria, are my you okay? My father and my mother share a brother. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Something like that. <laughs> so, you know, he's really sludging through the gene pool on this one. Uh, this girl's, you know, he, he dove head first. He's doing laps in the gene pool. But he can't. I mean, he's walking laps in the gene pool. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's a very shallow pool. So this girl's name was Maria, his double cousin. And she was the daughter of Afonso IV, the king of Portugal. And note that it's Afonso, not Alfonso. Right. And marrying her would ally him with the next strongest kingdom around, Portugal. And that was a smart move for Alfonso. But Don Juan Manuel did not like this insult to his daughter, Constanza, or the fact that Alfonso had imprisoned Constanza in a castle and wouldn't let her go home. He's like, I'm annulling our marriage, and no, you can't go home. You're going to stay right here in this room at the top of this tower, guarded by a dragon or whatever he did. Wow. So Don Juan, super pissed about how his daughter's being treated, launched a whole-ass war against the crown of Castile. Yeah. Meanwhile, Alfonso marries his double first cousin, Maria of uh-huh. Portugal. Uh-huh. And that made her father, Afonso IV, happy because his daughter's now the Queen of Castile. Sure. Great. Who wouldn't be happy? Exactly. Just like Alfonso, he's like, this is a power marriage on both sides. Uh-huh. We're lying, you know, these kingdoms that have been at odds for a long time. Sure. This is good news. But he got real mad when Alfonso immediately neglected Maria in favor of his mistress, Eleanor de Guzman. Um, who could have seen this guy not being faithful to his wife? <laughs> what He's a so surprise. <laughs> Alfonso had met Eleanor, who was a wealthy 20-year-old widow, mm-hmm. in 1328, and he was so struck by her beauty that he made her his mistress. Okay. That same year, he would marry Maria. But as soon as Maria had an heir to the throne, who is Peter of Castile, Alfonso left her and went to live with Eleanor instead. Oh, jeez. And this made—Maria was deeply humiliated by this. Like, it made his preference of his mistress super public to everyone knew, you know, that she was repudiated, basically, by Mm -hmm. the king. Um, And also, he established Eleanor's household near the government in Sevilla. So she had more influence at court than Maria did. Oh, goodness. Maria spent most of her time in seclusion at a monastery. So she was just fully removed from power. Nothing but a breeding the heir. Like, that's your only job here. Yeah. And she did not like that. Oh, breeding the heir, not breathing the air. Oh, no. Breeding... (laughs) Breathing the, the air. air. H-E. Okay, He's like, I'm with you. I do not care if you breathe the air. I only care if you breathe the air. <laughs> you know, the old medieval yeah. hum. <laughs> I would not, could not breathe an air. I would not, I would could not, not breathe, breathe, breathe your air, air anywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is Black Plague time, so you could oh, not breathe the air, yes. actually. <laughs> In some places, it meant you would die. Uh, on that note, <laughs> no. So Maria asked Alfonso to give up Eleanor and stop seeing her. Uh And of course, he wasn't down to do that. Of course. So she says, fine, just be a little more discreet, okay? Like, you're making it real obvious that this bitch is better than me. Well, that's reasonable of someone's wife to say is like, at least keep it quiet. A little respect on me. Okay, all right. Well, what'd he do? In response, he gave Eleanor extensive properties and made her even more powerful. Boy, this guy. You know, it's classic (sighs) king- Favoring his mistress over the queen, and you know the mistress gets so much more power at court. How many times have we heard that story oh on this show? So alone? many times. 
And that's why, you know, that's why they're always real nervous about a mistress. Oh, yeah. But they all had them. Right. <laughs> These guys were right. had illegitimate children. Right and left. You can see why, like, in our very first episode, Madame de Pompadour mm-hmm. trained her whole life to be the king's mistress. Yes. Like, that was her mother's intention for yeah. her. Yeah. Like, she's like, this is your way. This in. is a great position. It's better than being the queen. I can tell you that much, historically speaking. So, Alfonso, super mad that his daughter got... Tossed to the side, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And Don Juan Manuel's war against Alfonso over him being mad for casting his daughter Constanza to the side was still going strong. And so Don Juan allied himself with the Sultan of Granada, which strengthened his power and influence. Finally, in 1329, the Bishop of Oviedo stepped in and negotiated a peace between Don Juan and Alfonso. And this allowed Constanza to be released from her prison tower, finally. (laughs) But at this point, Alfonso IV was still so pissed about how Alfonso was treating his daughter Maria, he got together with Don Juan Manuel, and they're like, you know, this guy did both our daughters dirty. Mm -hmm. Let's get back at him. And they arranged for Alfonso IV's son, Peter I, heir to the throne of Portugal to marry Juan's daughter, Constanza, recently escaped from her tower. (laughs) She was the repudiated queen of Castile. So you've got, hang on. (laughs) Alfonso IV is really mad that his daughter, Maria, is getting cast aside. Uh He's got another son, Maria's brother, named Peter. Uh And they say, hey, Peter, why don't you marry Constanza? Mm -hmm. And this will unite a bunch of people who don't like Alfonso. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. But you got to laugh at the conversation that must have happened because Constanza got jilted by Alfonso for Alfonso's daughter, Maria. Right. Who he's now mad at him about. So he had to go to Don Juan and be like, hey, I know that like I was totally cool with how he fucked with your daughter, but now he's fucking with my daughter. (laughs) And I don't really like that. So I kind of see where you're coming from now. I feel like maybe we can do something together. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) So this marriage contract between Constanza and Peter was signed in 1335, and it stipulated that the firstborn son of the two of them would inherit the throne of Portugal, and the secondborn son would succeed to the house of Manuel. But if there was no second son, all the Manuel property would be inherited by the firstborn son, and that no Manuel holdings would ever ever, 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 never, 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 never become part of the Castile crown. He was like, whatever happens with the sons, anyway, never, ever, ever, (laughs) never give it to that guy. So they get together and they say, Don Don Juan Manuel, your property is in Castile, but it's all going to come back to the Portuguese now Mm -hmm. after this marriage. Nobody in the Castilian kingdom is ever going to lay hands on it again. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, dope. I don't like that, guys. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. So what do you think <laughs> Alfonso did? <laughs> I'm sure he was totally cool with it. Very chill and <laughs> mellow. Uh, but I think that before we find out what, ha- what happened with him, we should take a quick break. Yes, that's a great idea. We'll be right back. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. 
The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, welcome back to the show. Okay, so Alfonso XI, the King of Castile. Uh Uh-huh. Heard about this little plot right. for his ex, Constanza, mm-hmm. to marry Peter I of Portugal. Okay. And he did not like it. What? He <laughs> was not a fan of Don Juan Manuel's wedding planning at all. Right. <laughs> He's like, he never, every he time you choose fun. a groom, yeah. you choose wrong. <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, so he decided to throw Constanza in the Alcazar prison to oh my keep God. her from being able to travel to Portugal and get married to Peter. So she's back in jail again? Yes. Brand new tower. She just got out. Now she's back in. Different place. Two dragons this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one above, one below. Oh, jeez. And then he tried to like put pressure on Don Juan to back out of this marriage 
uh, contract. Okay, yeah. He's like, don't do that don't shit. Don't marry your daughter to Peter. Yeah, you're Castilian. Even though- Come on, be my bro. Peter is Alfonso's brother-in-law, right? Because Peter is Maria's brother? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> don't let my ex-wife marry my brother-in-law. I'll be really mad if you do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's your ex-wife? Constanza. Oh, I thought you were talking about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) What? Now I'm confused. (laughs) Okay, but yeah, so, but Don Juan was just like, oh, Alfonso, you have no idea how much I dislike you. (laughs) And he just is like, I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. Because as we've learned several times on this podcast, Spain and its medieval counterparts allows for marriage by proxy. Oh, yeah. You know, that little practice where you have somebody stand in for you. Right. And you get married without ever being in the same place as your betrothed. Sure. Sophia Loren uh-huh. went through that. Yeah. Uh, even Elizabeth uh, Brown and from our pandemic right. love stories right. had to do it recently. So it's still Goodness. a thing. Um, <laughs> it's a very <laughs> historic pa- practice. Uh-huh. <laughs> And usually for this reason, it was for royals to marry each other during wartime and they could oh, okay. travel. Yeah. It was actually why it was developed, I believe. I can't be there. Just build a little dummy to stand in my place. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it'll it'll tie this knot real tight uh-huh. for the contract reasons yeah. that'll help us win a war or lose a war. Or okay. Don Juan and Afonso were like, no bride, no problem. And they had (laughs) Peter and Constanza married by proxy. And it pretty much immediately started a new war between Portugal and Castile that raged on for four years. Okay, okay, okay. So King Alfonso is super mad that his ex-wife, who he locked up in a tower, Mm -hmm. uh, is marrying the son of the king of Portugal. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So eventually this infighting started to worry the other Christian nations. Mm-hmm. Pope Benedict XII realized, oh, with all these Catholics fighting amongst themselves, they're not paying enough attention to all the fighting the Muslims. <laughs> you know, like popes do. They love waging war against the Muslims. <sighs> so he intervened and he says, that's enough. Tutta fini. <laughs> Let's settle this thing and go fight a different war over other stuff with someone else. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And Alfonso... I don't want to end. I want to replace. Yes, yes. (laughs) You want a war? We got the wars. Oh, so many wars. (laughs) We will focus your attention somewhere (laughs) else. (laughs) I'm getting money from both of you. (laughs) I want a war where you are fighting someone who I'm not getting money from. Oh. (laughs) That way we get the money from them. (laughs) See, it's very simple. Simple, simple. (laughs) So Alfonso is like, fine, all right. Juan, Alfonso, Pope. All you three, breathing down my neck all day long. I'm just trying to lock up my, my ex-wife, marry my current wife, and hang out with my mistress. I don't know why everybody's bothering me so much. What's it going to take to get you off my back? And the Pope says, we just need you to break up with the Eleanor. That's it. That's all we want. We are That's... so sick of your girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> she sucks. You keep throwing your wives away. Um... <laughs> Now, Alfonso wanted Portugal's help in fighting the Moors anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So this was kind of going to work out for him. He's like, whatever I need to do to get these guys to stop fighting me so we can kind of unite and go after the Moors and expand our territory, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So he banished Eleanor to a convent, and the peace treaty was signed. And in 1340, Portugal 
joined Castile in a battle against the Moors that ended up extending Alfonso's kingdom all the way to the Strait of Gibraltar. Hmm. But as soon as that conflict was over, when the last guy walked off the battlefield and the treaty was signed and they put their little flag in the ground, Alfonso immediately went back to Eleanor. (laughs) Pulls her out of the convent. They ended up having a total of 10 children together between 1330 and 1345. One of those kids was Henry Trastamara. And we'll get to more on him uh, later. Just remember that name. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so everything worked out great for him, I guess. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He just never intended to keep any of those promises. Uh, Yeah, right. (laughs) But okay, you know, it's 1340, war's finally over, and Constanza, after four years of marriage, Mm -hmm. could finally join her husband in Portugal, and they would have, like, an official wedding celebration. Okay. So she left Castile with her entourage, which included a beautiful, nobly born lady in waiting named Inez de Castro. Uh oh. Now, Inez was highly connected in every way. She was illegitimately descended and also sometimes legitimately descended <laughs> on both sides from Castilian and Portuguese and Galician nobility. <laughs> so. Again, a lot of illegitimate people running around yeah. <laughs> who are still very highly born because they're bloodlines, you know. And stuff right, or right, right. Um, so she's very highly connected. She's this beautiful lady in waiting. And as soon as she and Constanza arrive in Portugal, Peter I only had eyes for Inez. Oh, geez, Peter, you're no better than Alfonso. Poor Constanza. Uh- <laughs> She's like, everywhere I go, I get rejected. I've been in two prisons, married by proxy, married, annulled. Mm-hmm. I've had it all over the place. Everybody's fighting wars over me without asking me my opinion okay. on the matter at all. And then I finally get to go hang out with this guy I'm supposed to be married to who's a king. Mm-hmm. And he falls for my maiden. What? what? Like, what's the matter with Constanza? <laughs> right. Isn't Constanza good enough? <laughs> For anyone. You are enough, Constanza. You are enough, Constanza. Damn it. Well, Peter I's affection for Inez seemed to be very mutual. Uh-oh. And they embarked on a passionate love affair. Why don't they just marry the woman they're in love with, these kings? Well, you know, they're not always allowed to do what they want to do. Yeah. So at this point, of course, Peter is still the heir to the throne. He's not king yet. His father, Afonso IV, is still the king of Portugal. Mm -hmm. But it's not long before Peter is showing a preference for his mistress over his betrothed. Mm -hmm. Just like Alfonso XI, the king of (laughs) Castile. Mm -hmm. These two guys got a lot in common (sighs) in that regard. Damn it, Peter. His dad must have been so annoyed by this, right? Because Don Juan is like, is there another motherfucker trying to dishonor my daughter, Constanza? All right. You know what I do when my daughter is dishonored. I start conspiring. (laughs) Right. So, Afonso, the king of Portugal, is concerned about how his son's infatuation with his mistress is going to affect his alliance with Don Juan in Castile. Mm -hmm. So, he exiled Inez to Albuquerque, New New Mexico. Yep. (laughs) Albuquerque, New Mexico. I guess there's an Albuquerque in Portugal. (laughs) The OG Albuquerque. (laughs) But Peter, the horny prince, his passion was not quenched. Now, he and Constanza gave birth to a son named Louise in 1344. And Constanza tried to kind of scotch the affair by making Inez the boy's godmother. 
this is some this is some deep legal mm-hmm. trickery because mm-hmm. according to the Catholic Church, her being his godmother basically made her family. Mm-hmm. So for Peter and Inez to get it on is religiously considered incest. Yeah. She's what? like, I'm going to pull that moral kinship card. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but this kid Louise died after only eight days, which apparently caused a little whispering among the court that perhaps Inez had something to do with that. Uh-oh. Maybe they were in a speculation station. Well, uh, do you think that Inez killed a baby? I Okay, that's dark, right? That seems An eight-day-old baby. Or had a baby killed. That sounds crazy. Not, not beneath some of these royals, but here's not my thought. Times. Here's my thought. Maybe she didn't kill this baby. She was just like... You know, oh, I've got him in a little, in his little uh, bed here, mm-hmm. and I'm um, going down by the river. <gasps> and let me just set oh, you down no. for a second while I pick some flowers. Do 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 do. Oh, where is that baby? <laughs> I just set him down on that little floating bed right at the edge of the river, and he's just gone. <laughs> you know, clumsy me. Oh my god. That's and what I think. Yes. Wow. Call it out. She hold him in his arms yeah and still yeah so this is my godson i mean, I have to make sure that his raft is extra floaty <laughs> just in case, in case. Of a flood. yeah <laughs> i want him to be prepared <laughs> i don't know i'm also like well uh i think i think peter and constanza were like second cousins so yeah I, you know at some point there were a the, lot of the health babies issues. are gonna have some health issues yeah. and they're not gonna live very long that's true so it could just be that yeah but you know shit but, i love to accuse people of murder so uh, you do that's <laughs> one of your favorite things to do <laughs> um, <laughs> this speculation train well uh, and that it's true. At the end of the day, we can definitely see why people thought this, right. why these whisperings were happening at court, mm-hmm. because it's it wouldn't have been the craziest thing to happen no, in the family. It, people did it frequently, I guess. Yeah. Like it was just shenanigans with the babies and, right. and the lineages and everything just was so common. That's why they had so many. Yeah. You know, I guess so. They were like, just in case. We're going to have 12 heirs to the throne. <laughs> So that, you know, they can't get through all of them. Scatter them to the winds. Right. (laughs) You'll never find them all. (laughs) All my bastards litter this kingdom. (laughs) So, yeah, her little scheme to make Inez the godmother did not work. But in 1345, Constanza gave birth to the heir, Ferdinand. Okay. That was good news. Right. And then in 1349, she died giving birth to a daughter who also died only a few days later. Oh, that's very sad. So that is very sad. Again, not an uncommon story in medieval times particularly. Right. Um, But yeah, she died and Peter was single and he was not ready to mingle. Yeah. Uh, Alfonso really wanted him. He was like getting him on Tinder and like check all these bitches. Oh out. damn, his dad. Yeah, his dad. Okay, really was just like you need to remarry. Sure, I mean yeah. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. you need to remarry. Um, of course you do. You're a young king. You got to yeah. have a queen. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. But instead of being tempted by any of these royal honeys, he moved in with Inez and started uh, living with her in secret. Of course. And then she started having children with him. And when she gave birth to their first son in 1350, they named him Afonso. And that just feels a little bit like a roast to me because he's like, my legitimate son with my wife, who you approve of, I'm naming Ferdinand. Ferdinand. 
pulled it out of a hat. But my first son with my illeg- with my illegitimate mistress, who you don't approve of, I'm naming her after you. Wow. Take <laughs> it that, just Dad. feels like a pointed yeah. name to pick. Wow. However, that kid did die shortly after his birth. Oh, man. There's too many again, children dying in this episode. Theme. I know. Yeah. But then she had two other sons and a daughter between 1351 and 1354, and they were doing great. Okay. In fact, her sons were healthier than Peter's legitimate heir, Ferdinand. Uh-oh. And Afonso knew that that was going to be a problem in the near future. Okay. It's like my, my grandson, heir to the throne, mm-hmm. is not doing so hot. And you got these other kids yeah. running around with your mistress. Either he's going to die of natural causes or uh-huh. they're going to think he's weak enough yeah. to overthrow right. because he is. Ugh. And a lot of that concern came from the fact that over in Castile in 1350, Alfonso the king had finally died. And his legitimate son with Maria, Peter of Castile, mm-hmm. heads up Peter alert. This is our second Peter. Two Peters. <laughs> uh, he inherited the throne. So Peter the son of Alfonso and Maria, king of Castile. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Peter the first, yeah. uh, the son of the king of Portugal. Yeah. Alfonso. So Peter Castile, Peter Portugal. Peter Portugal, Peter Castile. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> but Alfonso's illegitimate son with his mistress, remember Eleanor, uh-huh. was Henry Trastamara, we talked about earlier. Right. He immediately threw his hat in the ring. He pulled a Renly Baratheon. He was like, actually, I should be king. Mm -hmm. And Castile was thrown into a civil war. Now, Afonso's looking at this, and he's like, this is exactly what I'm worried about. My grandson, my, uh, you know, half grandchildren, what is that? My my illegitimate grandchildren with the mistress. Mm -hmm. Once my son Peter takes the throne in Portugal, all those guys are going to be fighting over who inherits next. Mm Mm-hmm. Afonso himself had had the similar struggle against his own bastard brothers when he came to power. And it might be the reason he himself never had a mistress. Yeah. More trouble than they're worth. He apparently broke a long tradition of Portuguese kings by not having any illegitimate children at all. And it's they they think that it's because he and his queen Beatrice Mm -hmm. got along super well. Oh, what a novel idea. So they might have just been super in love or (laughs) they just respected each other a lot and he Uh seriously was like, I do not want y'all to be dealing with these half-brothers running around trying to cause strife. Unlike my predecessors and my son, I know where babies come from (laughs) and I'm not going to go start doing that. Right. But, you know, the more immediate problem here was that Inez's brothers, who were two powerful Galician noblemen, were becoming his son Peter's most trusted advisors. Mm -hmm. This is Peter, Prince of Portugal. Right. He started giving these two guys important positions at court. He's like, hey, you guys are my are my mistress's brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever you want. Get in here. Hang out. Tell me what to do. The DeCastro brothers are here. Uh-huh. Time for a party. <laughs> now, these guys were allied with Henry Trastamara, right. who was hiding out in Portugal because he'd been exiled by his brother. And Afonso, the king of Portugal, worried that once he himself died, the Portuguese throne was going to fall into Castilian hands. Mm-hmm. Because you've got these two uh, basically pro-Henry Castilians yeah. who want to overthrow Peter, the king of Castile. Mm-hmm. They want it, they're, they're, they're saying Henry has a right to the throne. 
And they're buddies with Peter Portugal. That's right. So it's just a and bunch Alfonso's of mess. whole thing was that the Castilian lands would become Portuguese. Not that the Portuguese lands would go Castilian. This is the opposite You're of what I wanted. You're doing the opposite of what I said. <laughs> <laughs> All that planning for nothing. Oh, jeez. So many weddings. Now, at first, he was so sure that Peter's infatuation would burn itself out that he just did the Tinder thing, right? He's just like telling him about royal princess after yeah. royal princess. He's like, marry this one. What about this one? What yeah. about this one? She's hot. She's from a special place that mm-hmm. we need. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> this one's a powerful marriage. Right. Let's do it. And Peter's basically like, oh, father, I'm only too happy to remarry. I'll do it today if you like. Oh. I'll only marry Ines de Castro. Oh. And Afonso is like, God damn it, Peter. No, she's the only person I won't let you marry, basically. <laughs> so finally he realized he's fighting a losing battle. Peter's not going to give up Ines. He just needed to get rid of Ines, and he needed to do it fast. Mm. So he decided to take a page out of his daughter's book. Maria? That's right. Oh. Because back in 1350, when Alfonso XI had died... Maria wanted revenge on her husband's mistress because she was the favorite, you know, and she didn't like that oh, shit. She Eleanor. felt rejected. Yeah, Eleanor. Yeah. She's like, Eleanor de Guzman is not, is persona non grata around here. Uh-huh. And so she, through her son, had Eleanor arrested and then in 1351 ordered her execution. Wow. And in that way, she was revenged upon the mistress who yeah. her husband liked better than yeah. her. Because I right. guess she couldn't kill the husband. So she had to kill someone about it. Hell hath no fury, they say. <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah. Someone said that. <laughs> and Afonso, her father, was like, hmm, brutal, but effective. <laughs> <laughs> so he had Inez imprisoned in a convent in 1354. And in 1355, he ordered her execution. Damn, so he just copied what Maria did to Eleanor. Definitely. To Inez. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, three guys went to the convent, and Inez was beheaded in front oh. of one of her young children. Oh, no. Which is pretty fucked up. I yeah, don't know why they couldn't just drag up. the kid away or, like, take her somewhere right? else. Right? These guys are not good at their jobs. <laughs> Terrible. So when Peter heard this, Peter of Portugal, of course, he was enraged. Right. That's his girl. Incandescent with rage. Yeah. His, the love of his life. And also, you killed her in front of one of my kids? With her, that is not cool. Super fucked Very up. uncool. Yeah. So he put himself in charge of the army and he launched an offense against his father. Oh, wow. Okay. But it was quashed within a year. Whoops. And they were reconciled with one another. And shortly after, in 1357, Afonso died and Peter I became the king of Portugal. Ooh. And now he could have it all his way. Ooh. And we will find out what way that was <laughs> right after this commercial yeah. break. Be right back. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. 
If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Okay, so Peter Portugal is king now. He's super mad that his his beloved mistress has been killed. And now he's king. His dad's out of the picture. He's in charge. So he immediately went and told everyone that he had married Inez in secret in 1354 and that their children were actually legitimate and Inez was the rightful queen of Portugal. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> Everyone said. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? Uh, let me, can I can your can I talk to your supervisor about that? <laughs> no, I'm the king. Uh... No one's above me. So there is no proof at all that any wedding took place, mm-hmm. but he's the king. You know, again, who's who's going to question that. Right. So everyone just kind of had to take his word for it. Apparently later on, it actually was litigated because oh, yeah? an illegitimate son was like vying for the throne oh, and, wow. and was like, well, if you let uh, you're not legitimate because you're from this illegitimate strain. They never married. What? And then they said, no, I mean, it was legitimate enough that they inherited. So at this point and anyway, it, it turned into a whole litigation like a long time later. Way later on. Yeah. Wow. So they're kind of like, basically, they're married posthumously because everyone agreed that they were married, sort of. (laughs) But there probably was no ceremony or any paperwork. If you believe it hard enough, it's true. (laughs) It's true. So in 1360, Peter Portugal dug up Inez's body and transported it in a grand procession to be royally entombed. He ended up having matching marble coffins made for them both. And they were elaborately decorated with the story of their love I wonder if uh, I wonder if uh, Constanza made an appearance in there at all. Uh, <laughs> if they just doubtful. left her out. <laughs> but they did include the beheading. Oh man, so it was very true to life. So yeah. perhaps 
Constanza's in there somewhere, like with a big X, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. circle with an X Her in face it. Is scribbled He's out. Like, Fuck Constanza. She's <laughs> oh man, poor Constanza. I know, right? Uh, maybe he had no ill will towards Constanza. He was right. just like, just I just love this lady. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, you're fine. Thanks for having my kids. Right. Constanza had been through enough. For real. So these tombs are like elaborately decorated. They've got the, the story of their love all carved out in them and the words until the end of the world were carved into the top, which Aww, is quite romantic. That is romantic. And these tombs are placed facing one another. The idea being at the last judgment, these two will rise from the dead facing one another. They'll be the first moment. thing they see. Yeah. And they rise from the dead, (laughs) which is creepy in a zombie (laughs) How do I look? (laughs) (laughs) You look hot like always. (laughs) Um, It does seem that Peter Portugal never remarried either, um, though he did have another illegitimate child, John of Aviz, in 1357 with a woman named Teresa. We'll get back to John of Aviz in a little bit. Legend has it that Peter didn't stop at a grand funeral procession for Inez, though. He also had her decaying body dressed in royal coronation clothes and jewels and had her propped up on the throne and made nobles, like, come in and kiss her hand and give her all the royal treatment and subjugation that she was denied in life. Wow. Now, apparently, this story only appears in a play that was written in 1577. Oh, okay. Of course, many years after this, All right. the occasions of this story. <laughs> so it's not likely that that is true. Yeah. It, you know, it, that's not uh, something that's out of bounds for a royal to do. It certainly sure. happened, but um, not sure that that actually happened here. Okay. Um, however, Peter and Inez's doomed love and his struggle with his father and like all these great themes, you know, naturally inspired over 20 operas and countless authors and playwrights and stuff. And they nearly always include this legend. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, sure. This motif <laughs> in their story. Because yeah. that's, that's good storytelling. You oh, want to see a Weekend at Bernie's like decaying corpse <laughs> in a, a beautiful velvet gown. Yeah. That that really puts a punch at the a end of the show. ghastly hand that some noble has to be like. <laughs> right. There's all these bejeweled rings on it. Ooh. You know it's true. <laughs> They're like, for the stage, oh, it's perfect. It's reminding me of, we're watching The Great right yeah, now. We're like in the middle of season yeah, one. It's yeah, it's reminding me of that with his mother's corpse I was on display and all those fancy clothes. Ugh, royals. Exactly, exactly like that. Oh, royals. <laughs> oh, royals. He's so crazy. So Peter Portugal here is also still super pissed uh-huh. about this woman being executed. And he's looking for those three executioners themselves. That's right. And in 1361, through some super sleuthing, he found them. One of the three managed to escape, but the other two were put on trial where Peter declared them guilty. I'm like, he put them on trial just to talk shit to them in public because he was the judge of the trial. So it's like kangaroo court. Yeah. Yeah. I already knew what I was going to do with you when I went looking for you. Yes. He said in court that they had ripped his heart out when they killed Inez, so that it was only fair for him to do the same with them. And according to contemporary accounts, he ripped their hearts out of their chests with his bare hands. One of them straight through the front and one of them from the back. Total Kalima moment. How? 
That is crazy. <laughs> and I love it and I hate it. Well, how do you like just punch your way through somebody's I'm gonna go ahead and say chest cavity. I I don't think No. I don't think it can happen. I mean, maybe he like carved them open and then pulled the hearts out. Yeah. To make his point about yeah. pulverizing his heart. But I don't I think suppose... that's how they died. I feel like he must have posthumously removed them. Maybe not. But I, I, I mean, agree. I definitely... you, especially from the back, like you have to get well. Spine. Here's the thing: I dressed it up in my mind as we're reading it that he's just like, like that scene in Dumb and Dumber. He's just punching right through their chest yes, with his bare same. hand. <laughs> but when you when you point out that like maybe he did it after like carving right. them a uh, bit, yeah, uh, then they might have still been alive. He That's was very true. mad. He was very. They mad. did something very fucked up. He was very upset with them. Yeah. Well, this. Nasty action earned him his nickname, Peter the Cruel. Which is one of those where I'm like, I guess that sounded way worse back then. Because I'd be like, Peter the brutally horrific heart-grabbing monster. (laughs) Peter the heart pulverizer. Right. Peter the the Cruel. Peter the Cleaver. Yeah, Peter the Cruel sounds like he like peed on somebody's stoop or something sometime or like you know he just he was he was unlikable he was like unpleasant mm-hmm. to be around because he yeah. was kind of insulting it's like a rude dude uh-huh peter the rude he <laughs> ripped my heart out Damn. how rude a medieval times must have been dark as shit they were like well he just ripped a couple guys hearts out yeah. they kind of deserved it i, I mean, guess he's just a little rude that's cruel yeah it's not like he's terrible right yeah Well, Peter the Cruel is actually a nickname that he shares with his nephew, Peter of Castile. Oh. Remember him? (laughs) You mean Maria and Alfonso's son. That's right. The king of Castile. That's right. Who is currently fighting for control of Castile against his illegitimate brother, Henry Henry. Trastamara, the son of Eleanor. So they're both named Peter. The Cruel. They're both neighboring country rulers at the same time in history and they're both nicknamed the cruel shouldn't there have been like a database for nicknames at exactly this point? where's the brand awareness I thought, <laughs> where is where is the cohesion right i thought we were overloaded with wands in the beginning but it turns out there's peters all over the place all of the, yeah you got one now you got peters it's a million to peter <laughs> a peter to juan a peter <laughs> So Peter of Castile got the nickname Peter the Cruel because some of his Catholic clergy sided with Henry of Trastamara. Okay. So in 1366, he ordered their executions. And thereafter, his detractors painted him as a murderer of pious clergymen. And worse than that, a pro-Jewish king. What? (gasps) Horrible. Oh, yeah, because they were super Catholic. Right. Very anti-Semitic time. Rude. Um, And Peter of Castile was actually, by medieval standards, friendly to his Jewish subjects. Oh, okay. Harrison Henry of Trastamara loved a pogrom and he would constantly be just executing Jewish people. And Peter would try to suppress them. So they were using that against him to call him the king of the Jews and like turn Catholics against him. Because he was like, what if I don't? Post a pogrom. Don't do that. Exactly. So wow. Peter of Castile's supporters call him Peter the Just ah. instead of Peter the Cruel, which, funnily enough, is also 
something he has in common with Peter of Portugal. No, <laughs> they were both Peter the Cruel were, and oh, Peter, Peter the, the Just. Depending on who you're talking to. Oh my God. <laughs> so thanks a lot, guys. You were not creative with these <laughs> names. <laughs> Did anybody ever see him in the same room at the same time? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, he was his own nephew. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So anyway, yeah, Peter of Castile was losing a lot of allies over the years. More and more noblemen were recognizing Henry Trastamara as the true king of Castile. You mean the big asshole with no claim to power who was like a bigot yes. and an anti-Semite right. uh, managed to get more uh, loud and violent followers to join up with him? Weirdly, yes. <laughs> who knew? Weirdly, it's almost like you could learn something from history. <laughs> hmm, almost, but well, come on. Who wants to do that? Uh, true. Um, and I don't want to act like Peter of Castile was like a perfect oh, saint no, or something not. like that. Definitely he certainly not. did some crazy shit too. Yeah. But um, but I, I don't think, I, I'm certainly more on the side of Peter the Just if he was like, why don't we just not kill all these Jewish people? Yeah. <laughs> For no reason. So anyway, finally in 1369, Peter of Castile decided to confront his brother on the battlefield. And they had an epic battle, and Henry won. (laughs) And so Peter holed up in a fortress. So Henry sent an envoy named Bertrand de Guéclin to open up negotiations with Peter of Castile, you know, to, like, negotiate his surrender. Right, right. And Peter offered de Guéclin 200,000 gold coins and several towns To betray Henry and, you know, help him out. Sure. That's a pretty good deal. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of towns. Uh Uh-huh. So Duguay-Clon immediately went back to Henry and told him all about the deal and got (laughs) Henry to give him even more golden property to double-cross Peter. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Classic. Duguay-Clon. Uh-huh. Hey, if somebody ever offers you a bribe to go against the person who hired you in the first place... Go back to the person who hired you and say, hey, he's going to offer me more. You want to up the value here? Yeah. So de tells Peter he'll accept the deal and he leads him into his tent to get it all agreed upon. But when Peter Castile enters the tent, Henry is there. Oh, shit. And they stare at each other and they realize they don't know who each other is. They don't recognize (laughs) each other. (laughs) It's kind of hilarious. Because according to the historian Lopez de Ayala, they just kind of stood there looking at each other for a minute until Duguay-Clan was like, this is your enemy. Mm-hmm. And King Henry is like, wait, are you Peter? Are you Peter of Castile? And Peter <laughs> said, yes, I am. I am he. And so King Henry runs over, hits him in the face with a knife, Ugh. and then stabbed him until he died. And then he left his body out in public for three days to be abused and humiliated by anyone who wanted to. Damn, Henry. Just cruel. And Henry the Cruel. Henry went on to rule Castile until 1379. Damn. Back in Portugal, Afonso's predictions came true when Peter I died in 1367. His legitimate son, Ferdinand, became the king. But then he died in 1383, probably from being poisoned. Oh, so Afonso yeah. was like, he's weak and somebody's going to yeah, try to kill him. somebody and knew. Boom, he got it exactly right. Yep. And when Ferdinand died, he only had one daughter living, so he didn't have an heir to the throne. Uh-huh. Whoever she married would basically be the king of Portugal, right? Oh, my so God. So it was like a hot political issue. That's of, quite a raffle. It's a serious, <laughs> you know? serious 
they're like, fuck, <laughs> what dick is going to come in here? Yeah, and I'm sure, I, I, I certainly wonder if it was up to her, like, they were like, you choose the next uh-huh. king of Portugal. Go for whoever it. Whoever you like best, mm, princess. Right. No, I don't think so. Well, apparently she did have a preference. She wanted to marry Henry Trastamara's son, John. No! <laughs> <laughs> and Ferdinand had basically been tussling with John of Castile ever since he became king of Castile. Of course. <laughs> so he's like, no, he says no a bunch of times, but he finally lets her have her way. And says, okay, she's going to marry John of Castile. Now, Ferdinand said all this before he died, okay? Okay. Um, and he figured it was just a good way for to like cease hostilities with Castile. Right. Portugal and Castile will be cool again. Marriage worked before, right? <laughs> It'll work again. <laughs> yeah, enough. marriage always works out great for these guys. <laughs> Going great. <laughs> but then Ferdinand died. Right. And Peter I, illegitimate children, Ferdinand's half-brothers, said, well, they should get the throne instead of John of Castile. Of course they did. Inez's sons, John and Denis, both thought they should get it. And so did Teresa's son, John of Aviz. Don't forget him. Oh, John of Aviz, yeah. The one who came along after Inez was killed. Right. Now, they tussled for a while in the crisis of 1383 to 1385, and eventually the Castilian army was not just defeated, it was annihilated. And there was an undisputed king of Portugal, John of Aviz. John of Aviz. So, John of Aviz ends up being king of John This of is Aviz. like uh, This is like at the end of Game of Thrones. <laughs> exactly. When, like, uh, what's the- his name, ends up being king. And they're like, him? Where did he come from? <laughs> That really came out of left field. <laughs> no one guessed John of Aviz in the message boards. Right. <laughs> wow. What? Huh? So just so many like <laughs> illegitimate children yeah. running around and causing havoc and strife and deciding they should be in charge and all these when marriages. They were all the same chaos. damn family. I know. That, what, was the, what was the big deal? Titles, titles, titles. Ugh. Land and gold. Yeah. You know, can't we can't we all just get along, get together, mm-hmm. share what we got? Right. You know, no. No. Well, <laughs> and I didn't even get into the fact that the Black Plague is happening this oh my whole God. time. Yeah. And so is the Hundred Years' War. So they had to do all this in masks, <laughs> in tight-fitting and 95 masks. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they managed it. <laughs> So yeah, that is the, that is the story of of Peter the First of Portugal and Inés de Castro, as well as <laughs> Alfonso, Alfonso, Peter of Castile, Eleanor de Guzman, uh-huh. Maria of Portugal. Uh-huh. Who else? Oh, Henry. Um, Henry of Trastamara. Yeah. And John of Aviz. Wow, what a bunch of people! <laughs> That's a whole lot of people. Oh. I know it is a lot in two in one week to be giving you. All these royal names <laughs> to keep straight and so many mistresses and this and that. But it was such a fun story to go look through. It was insane. Yeah. But thanks again to Barbara for the suggestion. Yes. Because it was a lot of fun to take a Portuguese history rabbit hole deep dive. Yeah. I don't know a lot about Portugal, I'll be honest. No. I, I haven't really looked into their history much. This is pretty fascinating. I know. And apparently this story of Peter and Inez is like 
taught it's a very it's like they're romeo and juliet in oh Portugal. wow so yeah. they, by the fifth grade everybody knows it it's very oh, cool. like common story well yeah it's all um, these there's so all these operas and everything I, exactly yeah. and so they're even like it's amazing how much it's it's permeated even beyond portugal mm-hmm. but it's like they're, they're like we're still waiting for i guess the 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 romeo and juliet telling of it that makes it iconic for everyone because oh, okay. it's such a it is kind of a similar thing like family struggle against true love and that sort of yeah. thing yeah yeah, I want to go to Portugal now. Uh, yeah, and I already want to go back to Spain because we had such a great time. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Honeymoon alert. Uh, honeymoon alert. <laughs> um, so please uh, let us know if you got a spot we can crash in Portugal, um, or just tell us what you thought of this episode because this was a kooky one. I know it's a wild um, ride. I'm really curious if people fo- how how well you followed all these names and stuff. Mm-hmm. Let us know about that because it took me a second. But I think we I think we got through it. I think we made it make sense. I hope so. Yeah. Again, it's just especially I was like so in it and I was like, I know that Afonso and Alfonso are going to be the most confusing thing about this story. (laughs) And then I got to Peter of Portugal and Peter of Castile (laughs) having the exact same nicknames. Yeah. (laughs) And nickname options. Uh (laughs) And then I was like, I I'm going to have to go over this one a few times. (laughs) (laughs) And I left out a bunch of people they almost married too. For other reasons, and it's just wild because one of one of them almost married this girl who then they said she was insane and confined her away and said she was mentally ill and uh-huh. too, too mentally ill to be a queen. Jeez. And another one, he was supposed to marry a princess from England, which would have allied them with, you know, totally different. It would have been a completely different history. Yeah. She got the Black Plague. Oh, damn. And because at the time it wasn't in Spain. And so they weren't taking it very seriously. Uh-huh. And her and like a bunch of her entourage died. I like that you were like, I didn't even get into that story and then, then told the whole story. <laughs> but I didn't tell you who they were or who they were gonna marry. <laughs> I tried to save some details. I wonder why just Peter of Castile didn't go to Peter of Portugal or vice versa mm-hmm. and just be like, you know, we're not so different, you and I. We in fact we're virtually identical in title and name. <laughs> well, apparently <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, he did go. He was like, uh, when he fled Castile, when Henry was kind of like about to take over and uh-huh. he fled Castile, he sought refuge with his uncle. Oh, yeah. But he was coldly received. Oops. So I don't know why, but he was not a fan. I get they were not <laughs> fans of each other, I guess. Or maybe it was just Castile and Portugal was just like, fuck you. I don't like you because you're from there. The sign says, no Peters. We're allowed to have one. (laughs) (laughs) Peter of Castile was also fighting with Aragon, who was also a Peter. So it was called the War of Two Peters. Aragon? So it's, yes, it was like he was fighting a war with Henry Trastamara and Peter of Aragon. The War of Two Peters. The War of Two Peters. Wow. Do you think Alfonso ever went to Afonso Mm -hmm. and said, come on, dude, just take the L? (gasps) Well, now I hope he did. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, please send us your thoughts on this episode, on any yes, episode. Please. Send us suggestions for other ideas mm-hmm. you've got for episodes. We'd love to hear those. Shoot us an email. Mm-hmm. You can get us at ridicromance at gmail.com. Right. We're on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Dynamite Boom. And I'm at, oh, great, it's Eli. And the show is at Romance. Yes. We can't wait to hear from you. Yeah. And we'll be back next week with another excellent and ridiculous episode. Thanks for being with us today. Love you. Bye-bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thank you.
thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.